You're listening to this Sunday's sermon from Hope Church RVA. To find out more about Hope, plan your next visit, or support the work we're doing in Richmond and beyond, visit HopeChurchRVA.com. It's good to see everybody this morning on this Father's Day. I'm not sure if I uh, like Wes saying it's going to be a good one. I wanted him to set the bar lower. You know, he did average, and uh, that can exceed it. Sometimes when we're singing, uh, especially some of these newer songs, like Toward the End, I like to walk around and watch some of the men not sing, because uh, it's harder for us guys to just kind of project our voices. But I bet you, if I come and watch you, you know, cut your lawn with something on, you're like singing, sweet home Alabama. (laughs) Not that I do that. Sometimes I think we have to sing our way into the Lord's presence. I was thinking about that. No matter what you're feeling this morning, sometimes I think we have to sing our way into it. And then um, I think the Lord laid on my heart that it's because he sings over us. So when we enter into the singing, it's like we join that chorus. So um, that's not some exhortation to, to keep singing, but uh, even I need to know that in, in a time when I'm like ugh, glass half empty, to be thankful and to sing our way into the presence of God is helpful. So again, a happy Father's Day for those of you out there that are dads and those of you that have had dads and all that. I'm very cognizant that we're sort of in an in-between time with sports. A lot of the major sports are over. We do have the U.S. Open this weekend. Lots of folks are watching that, the golf tournament. Um, I'm not a very good golfer, but I'm getting better. And my goal, you know, the lower the score, the better you are, is to shoot my age by the time I'm 90, and I think I'll do well. <laughs> I see a friend out there who um, had me uh, in a golf tournament with him, and um, uh, in order to set the team up well to try to even it out, uh, I was given a 28 handicap, and that means you get basically uh, a two-shot advantage on at least nine of the holes and a one-shot advantage on the other ones, and I was offended. Um, <laughs> Until we won the tournament. <laughs> Loved it. All right, we better pray again. Just, just briefly. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for friends, for family, for those who are watching online. Lord, would you be our presence uh, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I celebrated a birthday recently, and the older I get, the more I know I need to start, start taking care of myself, to eat well, to exercise, those kinds of things. So I've decided I'm going to go gluten light, um, and mostly dairy-free. So I know some of the dietitians out there are like, oh, geez, either do it or not. But for instance, I like to keep my options open. So if a country-style donut, which is a local donut store here in Richmond, is left on my desk, um, I like to support local businesses. (laughs) It's a tough economy. We all know that out there. So to support local businesses is important. Uh, I'm mostly dairy-free because the cold weather in New England somehow refrigerates that cow milk. And as a result, the ice cream in Maine on my vacation is delicious. And who would hold back from a hardworking pastor a small blackberry ice cream cone with, as we say in New England, chocolate jimmies on the top? Because those chocolate jimmies are very small. 
so we know they don't have much dairy in it, so I can just compromise once in a while. <laughs> so I think stretching the rules with a lot of things for me, like getting a 28 handicap, but stretching the rules when it comes to diet can be easy for me. But am I willing, are we willing to be stretched in our faith when Jesus confronts our Christian complacency? Now, I don't mean to sound condemning with that, but Jesus often will stretch us. And I think it's because he loves us. He knows what it is to have life to the full. And when we're stretched to be in the way that Jesus would have us to be, we will find our life completely in him, and he'll give us the power to do it. Jesus did that all the time to the people that he taught. They thought it was one thing, but he took them to a deeper level because he wanted them to see the glory of God and life as it could be here until eternity comes. So one of the most powerful stories that blows the dust off our safe faith and redefines neighbor for everybody in every nation and every generation is what we're gonna talk about today. And this will be the reconciling heart of our God, that's the name of our series, the reconciling heart of our God for us and for those people. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And we're gonna look at it from the book of Luke. Now what's interesting to me is the, the Gospel of Luke has two powerful parables in it that only appear in Luke. One is the Good Samaritan that we're looking at today, and the other is the church prodigal son. And they both talk about the grace and the mercy of our God. And I don't, th I don't think it's a mistake that these are both in this uniquely in the book of Luke that speak about the greatness of our God. So I'm gonna to read to you starting with uh, chapter 10 with verse 25. It is a great story. It's a story that Jesus gave us. So I'm not worried about the length of it because I think you can just follow along and try to picture yourself listening to Jesus, being in the crowd while this law expert is questioning Jesus. Here we are in the crowd. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up Probably people were sitting at the rabbi's feet. He stood up and he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read the law? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And Jesus, I've heard you say this, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. At that point, the expert in the law should have walked away. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Sometimes I like to do that when my kids misbehave. I'm like, hey! Instead of saying stop, I just start telling them a story. And they're not sure where it's going. And I'll say, no, 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 wait till I finish. And this is what Jesus famously did. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, 
let's put ourselves in the first century, clothes were very valuable back then, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Leaving him half dead, stripped and naked on the side of the road. So a priest, he'll stop, happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. You ever do that? You ever do something wrong? Maybe it's even in your driving and, you know, the person comes back up to you again and they're looking at you and you try to ignore them. Whoops. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by the other side. You know where the priest came from? The tribe of Levi. So really, two people that knew the law and religious. But a Samaritan not loved by the Jews, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and he poured oil and wine on him for healing. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, the equivalent of two days' wage for us, and he gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor of the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert. The one trying to justify himself. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is a familiar parable, especially if you're in the church world. So I'm not trying to put a new slant on it. I think the word of God speaks for itself. But this is what was laid on my heart this week. What if the main character of the Good Samaritan is not the priest, the Levite, the expert in the law, or even the beaten man on the side of the road? What if the main actor in this story is Jesus? You don't have to be a Christian to know about the Good Samaritan. The story was so powerful, it trans- transcended any belief system of that day or any day. I mean, go out there today after the service and maybe randomly in the food line or where you're going to eat, say to somebody, hey, have you ever heard about the Good Samaritan? To be a Good Samaritan is a well-known idiom no matter what your faith. It had such impact, it turned not only the world upside down then, but it turned our world upside down because we are encouraging each other, whether you're in faith or not, be a good Samaritan. Help the one on the side of the road. So I want to ask a question on our walk through this passage today. Who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Three thoughts. Jesus came to take the guesswork out of God. He's going to show us something. Jesus raised the minimum neighbor wage. And Jesus won't let our love grow cold. So, who is my neighbor? I think Jesus came to take the guesswork out of God. Andy Stanley calls this parable the greatest hits of Jesus formula. Love God and love your neighbor. So Jesus never claimed to be an expert in explaining who God was. 
Jesus came to show what was God was like. Oh, the Pharisees and the law abiders, they tried to say, well, this is what God's like and this is how you should obey. But Jesus didn't claim to be the best explanation of God. He came to show us what God was like and he used the story of the Good Samaritan to demonstrate that God is gracious and merciful and powerful and present. This is our God. The text in Luke says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) Well, you tell me. You're the lawyer. You're the expert in the law. How is it written? We might have even said the same thing. Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But maybe Jesus' response, you tell me, indicated he was tired of the lawyers and the law-abiding Pharisees who tried to put God in a box and said, this is who he is and this is what you should do. Our God is so merciful. So the lawyer answered correctly, but he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to prove himself to be a good Jew to the crowds listening to Jesus. Because here's what a good Jew believed. He wanted Jesus to say, our neighbor is our nation. Our neighbor is our people. Our neighbor is our Jewish friends next door, not the oppressive Romans. You can condemn them, Jesus. Not the half-breed Samaritans, right, Jesus? The expert in the law should have walked away. So Jesus did what always did. You know what he did? He answered the question by moving into our neighborhood and making a mess of our neat subdivision. Who is our neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, your neighbor is my neighbor. I know this is not what the text says, but this was the point Jesus was trying to make in the parable. Your neighbor is not just someone next door or someone you go to parties with. Jesus redefined neighbor as anyone who has been left behind, broken down, or barely has enough breath to ask for help again. Who is my neighbor? The one who has mercy. The one who has mercy on him. Andy Stanley said, Christianity can be criticized for what we believe, but what we should be famous for is our compassion and generosity. In this parable, Jesus takes the guesswork out of God. Your neighbor is anyone who needs your help. God sent his son from heaven above to rescue the world he loves to rescue drowning people, to not just throw a life preserver, but to be the life preserver. Your neighbor is anyone who needs your help. The love of Jesus has no ethnic or national boundaries. I hope all of us at some point and sometime get a chance to travel the world and see that Christianity is not just an American phenomenon. I think we get kind of stuck in this way. But some of the passion in the South American countries, in Eastern Europe, 
where Christianity is suppressed and even attacked and you can be arrested, there is a passion for Jesus Christ. A passion for the ones that are broken down and beaten on the side of the road. Who is my neighbor? The one who has mercy on us. So from this point forward, no one would have the permission to define a neighbor as someone you liked next door. Jesus elevated the dignity of everyone he met as he walked. People have value because they are human and they are created in the image of God. This is the reconciling heart of our God. Oh, for those people. So go and do likewise. Who is my neighbor? I think Jesus raised the minimum, the minimum neighbor wage. In other words, in a tired world that we're living in, sometimes we want to say, you know, this is sort of exhausting. I can barely keep my own family going. What's the lowest bar for neighbor loving? But Jesus knows what it is to have life to the full. And sometimes when I'm stuck in my prayers and I'm just praying for me and my family and everyone else, and when God begins to slowly and gently lead my prayers for someone else, my spirit begins to lift because this is the heart of God. Yes, he loves me. But he loves my neighbor too. So Jesus said, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Don't ever assume that the one on the side of the road deserved it because of their life choices or their behavior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as we said last week, for all is a big number. That includes you. If Jesus only came for those who deserved mercy on this planet, he could have saved himself a trip. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though... God was making his appeal to people that are lost and lonely and broken and barely have the breath to say, help me again. God is making his appeal through you. We go nowhere by accident. We don't have the time to go into all the reasons the Samaritans were not well liked by the Jews. <laughs> There's a little risk in saying this because all of a sudden you're bringing politics into a peak. You better be careful. But they were the Nancy Pelosi's to the Trumpers and the Governor DeSantis to the Biden fans of our day. As extreme as they might be, don't dismiss this as a nice moral story for the first century without any meaning for today.
God will show us if we ask. You know, I had somebody in after the first service that I know you were talking about who the neighbor is and expanding the definition of neighbor, but you know what I'm walking away with? And she's had tears in her eyes and she said, forgiveness. There is someone I need to forgive. Someone that she had begun to dismiss. And I don't know if that was a family member or somebody from a political party or for whatever it is, but when we begin <laughs> to expand our idea of God's mercy and grace, for a neighbor in need, he begins to soften our hearts. And we may not even know it. But then when we get on our knees and say, Lord, would you forgive me? All of a sudden, the doorway, the fountainhead of love pours into our own hearts. And we forget why we were so angry. Because this is a human being made in the image of God. But this Samaritan... This one the Jews couldn't even be in the same room with. This one the Jews refused to touch. This Samaritan had mercy. The Jews were not touching Samaritans. This Samaritan treated this man's wound, put him in his car, a.k.a. the donkey, took him to bed and breakfast, spent the night with him to make sure he was going to be okay until the morning, and gave the innkeeper enough money to pay for a two-night stay. And then he said, I'm going to give you more if you need it. Jesus raised the minimum wage of neighbor loving. Who is my neighbor? Don't let your love grow cold. That's one of the most convicting verses in Scripture to me. Don't let the story of the Good Samaritan become too familiar to you. The last two years have been hard for all of us. I understand that. And sometimes I'm just so tired. Another wave of COVID. Another debate in the neighborhood. Another headline that worries me. Another broken relationship. Another divide over politics that puts a wedge between friends. Another funeral this past Friday for a friend of mine. Another death, a body or soul. We're tired. And it's easy to go into self-preservation and protection mode. I can barely keep my own family together. But don't let your love grow cold. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So church, people of God, people even just on the journey of faith, and they're not even sure if God exists, don't let your love grow cold. It will destroy us. And it will destroy our neighbor. Jesus elevated the dignity of everyone he met. I went into a store the other day, sort of a random story, uh, and there was a clerk there, and it was towards the end of the evening. She was probably about ready to get off, and she kind of like, oh, thank you. And I said, so what do you do when you're not working here? And she looked up, and I had to say it again. She's like, did, did you just ask me a question? I said, yeah, what do you do when you're not working here? She said, well, I'm a brownie leader. 
I said, you got to be kidding me. Well, my wife was a brownie leader. Yeah, I've been a brownie leader for 40 years. And I would take him to camps and, you know, and here we are in Virginia. And one of the really good ones is out in, by King's Dominion. I said, you know, what's up? You know, what's a, you know, the, the Boy Scouts, they're Eagle Scouts, right? When they get, what's the top level for the brownie? I mean, we had a great conversation. And my wife said, where were you? I said, I was just talking to some woman behind the counter. <laughs> <clears throat> Jesus elevated the dignity of everyone he met. And I've ignored my fair share. A neighbor is not someone next door, someone you go to parties with. The question, who is your neighbor, forces us to examine our hearts and our priorities. Especially in this day and age, to ask, is there still racism in me? Is there content in me for certain kind of people or certain kind of neighborhoods? So it's not lost on me that June 10th is today, and tomorrow is a federal holiday to commemorate the end of slavery in our nation. It appears on our Google calendar, like, oh, and here's another new holiday. What is this? But listen, as believers, we follow a Savior who released mankind from captivity. He freed us from oppression, and by whose grace we stand equal before God, who created us in his own image. These are not my words, but the words of our church leadership in a recent letter to our staff saying, you got tomorrow off. You know, it's easy to let our love grow cold in a world of self-preservation. It's easy to grow cynical of a new national holiday. What is this on my Google calendar? It's easy to throw the first stone, but it's harder to keep learning and to keep loving. Don't let your love grow cold. Who is my neighbor? Jesus closes the story of the Good Samaritan with this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law said the man who had mercy on him. The expert in the law couldn't even say the Samaritan because of his prejudices. I can't even say his name. I can't even identify him by his ethnicity. Who is my neighbor? The one who sees a need and meets it. The love of Jesus transcends all our ethnic and our national boundaries. So remember when I said at the beginning of the sermon, what if the main character in this story is Jesus? Jesus came to show us what God was like. Jesus became the neighbor to you and me. Jesus became the Samaritan. He came to heal our wounds, pick us up from our depression and broken places, and give us dignity again. Jesus came to exchange our sins, our rags, for his righteousness, and it cost Jesus his life. So it's a simple application for this week, friends. In fact, it's too simple. I think everyone knows the answer. Go be the Samaritan. 
It's not feeding the 5,000. It's not like, where can I go on a mission trip? It's one guy, the story says, it was on the side of the road. I'm smiling, thinking about this. Everybody's going to leave. And then there's some guy with a flat tire on the way out of here, and there's like 12 of you around him. <laughs> That's not the point of the sermon. <clears throat> the story of the Good Samaritan is loving the one that needs your help one neighbor at a time. Don't be overwhelmed. So our challenge is to take this parable seriously for the rest of this sermon series. For the next three weeks, love the Lord your God. Do the vertical thing. But then do the, ver- the horizontal thing as well. Love your neighbor. Be sensitive to God's leading. And when you sense something, don't talk yourself out of it. The Spirit will tell you. Don't cut someone off. If you can meet a need, go ahead and meet it. If you can pay a price, do it. I believe that if 1,500 people are listening to the course of this morning on live stream and here with us, the lives of 1,500 people in Richmond can be changed one neighbor at a time. Can you imagine what would happen if we let our love warm up again? John Stott once wrote, I love this. We shall not be able to strut around heaven like peacocks. Heaven will be filled with the exploits of Christ and the praises of God alone. Heaven will be filled with humble good Samaritans. Go and do the same. Let's pray. So our Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, how we need you. So, Lord, we pray that we would leave remembering your mercy and your grace for us. That we would keep our eyes open and our hearts soft to ask ourselves, who is my neighbor? Yes, to love those in our own home and next door. But, Father, wherever we go, we pray that we would be your representatives, listening for your leading and loving those who are asking for help. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the older I get, the more um, I rely on prayer. It's my spiritual breathing apparatus. It's the way I can kind of rest and hear God's leading, and sometimes they're very short and sometimes they're longer. But I think that's our first work in discerning who God is calling us to in our neighborhood. Yeah, Billy Graham had a line that went like this, prayer is our first work. And so we here at Hope believe that. We wanna start with prayer. There's a lot of things we could start with. We wanna start with prayer. And one of the ways we wanna do that this summer is start a little prayer movement. Um, We have these wristbands out in the back and they say hope for, and then there's a blank spot. And we're inviting you to write in the name of one of our mission trips that are headed out this summer. Places where people are going to need to receive the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, we actually have one leaving today for Nashville. We've got one headed to, uh, back to Serbia, to Greece, to Orlando. Uh, and then we wanna encourage you to write Richmond on there. 
because there's places where God is gonna call you to serve and to love and to meet the needs of someone today or tomorrow. And so when you've written the name of one of those locations on this bracelet, you can put it on your wrist. I think Pete and I have ours on. Uh, I wrote mine a couple days ago. Um, and if you don't wanna wear it on your wrist, that's fine. Maybe put it on a rear view mirror in a car or on the mirror in your bathroom. But as a way to remind us to pray for those who God is calling us to serve. So as you're on your way out, you can pick one of these up. There's a Sharpie marker available for you. And there's also the information about how to, how to buy gift cards for people right here who need clothes. We can't think of a more practical way to love and serve and care for our neighbors. And ironically, that national mission trip today is really a student ministry trip. A lot of young people that are leading us in this effort beginning this summer. And so know that God wants to make his appeal through us. It's unbelievable. Like, really me? I'm so broken and I mess up? Yeah, well, that's why I want to make my appeal through you. Tell them how much I love you. Tell them that I will pick you up and your weakness is my strength. So know that wherever you go, you go nowhere by accident. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and until Jesus comes again. Amen. God bless you.